Welcome to Taiwan Noir, episode 30, on A Book of Heroes and a Heroic Fight. And the director of Fantasy Mission Force scales down the genre-bending, the time-warp madness of previous films and goes for a stripped-down, broad comedy about a treasure map, a treasure, and all highlighted by frequent action choreography featuring, among others, Yukari Oshima. A Book of Heroes from 1986 starts off this episode of Taiwan War in, in the second half, actress uh, Lin Xiaolu of child of peach fame don't say familiar costume in a familiar setting at one point but it's a movie within the movie and an action comedy about a family of special effects wizards that uh, take on the triads it's called a heroic fight also from 1986 and we're here to discuss it my name is Kenny be with me uh, with a uh, soon to be released uh, conclusion to his uh, sf punk trilogy if you will uh, is is the multimedia man todd statman so say hi uh, why don't you why don't you plug your uh, uh, your co- concluding uh, concluding a book in that trilogy or is it a conclusion <laughs> yeah it's it's a trio it's a trilogy so i guess i'm sort of honor bound for this to be the last one yeah it's the third and final book in the sf punk trilogy it's called never divided i'm currently preparing it uh for publication in july created a website for it which you can check out you can read a chapter uh look at a gallery read uh, about it. There's even a little test you can take. Um, and that's it, never-divided.com. I've also created a kind of a hub site where you can access all of the individual sites for the three books in the series, and that's at sfpunktrio.com. Check it out. And I have a couple other things. Sure, sure, like thing. to... yours, man. All right, take a deep breath. <laughs> I'm also currently uh, preparing to do a fundraising campaign for my next film book, which is going to be called The Sophisticates Guide to Global Cinema. And I'm doing a, a it's going to be a, it, basically what it is. It's a, a compilation of revised versions of my online reviews or a best of basically, but I have a graphical order. So it's kind of like a world tour of strange and interesting films. It's going to be a very ambitious project. It's going to be a really big book. Just the manuscript alone was almost 700 pages. And it's going to be lavishly illustrated. So Fab Press has asked me to try and raise some money towards the production cost. So that's what I'm going to do. So starting as soon as possible, I'll be doing that. And then the last thing I want to mention is the last episode of my radio show pop offensive which was last broadcast last wednesday was uh called the speed trials because every song i played was two minutes or less long <laughs> so i ended up playing it was re- it was really great i usually play about 25 songs this time i played an hour and 50 minutes and there was a lot of quite a spread of like you know there's everything from the ramones to wire to Tom Jones, to the Beatles, the Beach Boys. It was a really fun show, and it's available now on the Pop Offensive Archives, which you can access at kgpc969.org slash pop hyphen offensive. And I'm done. And we'll link to all of those endeavors. Uh, Thank you. That, that ex- not experiment, but that uh, two minutes or less uh, theme reminded me of uh, this old compilation of uh, I guess it was mostly punk bands who did uh, 30 second songs or less wow. so this was uh, 
a compilation with tons and tons of songs, you know. So, yeah. um, you know, Green Day did a, a song called The Ballad of Will and Fink. That's 30 seconds long. And uh, uh-huh. uh, and I think Rancid were on there. And, uh, you know, uh, other Bay Area punk bands, I suppose. And uh, um, so I don't know if there was even one or two CDs, but uh, 30 seconds or less, they can cram some music in um, in there. So it reminded me a little bit of that experiment. So. Yeah, well, just as I am a firm believer that no movie needs to be longer than 90 minutes, I believe that no pop song needs to be longer than, well, I'll give him like two and a half minutes. Says the man who's into Bollywood cinema. <laughs> All right. But, but I, I don't think I've ever asked you that. What, what was uh, expansive running times a thing uh, in the 70s uh, in Bollywood cinema, or they kept uh, the running times at, at, at 90, 80, 100? No, I mean, I think the Bollywood films are actually longer now because it's not atypical to find ones that are four hours long. But, you know, on average in the 70s, they were at least two and a half hours long. It's 90 minutes or less, 90 minutes or less. I did write a book about long movies, but... <laughs> I'm on to I'm on to you. I'm watching you. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, as for the rest of the contact information, this is Taiwan Noir episode 30 on the podcast on Fire Network, our back catalogue of uh, Taiwanese cinema reviews, uh, mostly kooky, kooky ones, lighthearted ones, but uh, ones that co- contain unique sites, I suppose, and are um, maybe important to some degree. All of that is uh, in our uh, archive over at podcastonfire.com. If you have any questions or feedback about uh, these particular Taiwanese movies, uh, A Book of Heroes, Heroic Fight, uh, the director Chu Yanping, if you've seen Fantasy Mission Force, etc., etc., do let us know. Podcast on fire at googlemail.com. We would love to hear some feedback or questions. Join us over on uh, Facebook by liking our page. Uh, you reach you reached that by clicking the Facebook button at the top of podcastonfire.com. Once you're on Facebook, uh, enter the discussion group for some uh, fun, lighthearted, and uh, no arguments whatsoever type of uh, discussions uh, over there we we keep it light and uh, friendly so join the discussion group uh, and uh, we also have a twitter account it's called uh, it's at podcast on fire and all that good stuff i write about uh, among other things uh, these uh, taiwanese movies are on my site so goodreviews.com my video hub is lazykvideo.com and i tweet that at so good reviews and uh, find and review us on apple podcasts of course uh, stream us on stitcher radio and by now, we're also on Spotify, so we've reached that uh, nice. stage uh, in uh, in our development. We, uh, we're Spotify. Mm-hmm. Yeah, speaking of punk and all of that, and and Spotify, I enjoy the fact that you get um, that you find these uh, neat little audio documentaries on on uh, these various streaming uh, platforms. I listened to the uh, the uh, story of the Clash. That was great, narrated by Chuck D. Ad- admittedly, I. I've heard some Clash, but I'm, I didn't know an iota of the history of the Clash. Oh, okay. So that was really, really cool. Uh, like a seven-part, you don't need to be a subscriber to Spotify even to get that audio documentary. So do get it. Um, uh, the story of the Clash uh, should get you uh, get you that documentary. A little uh, uh, Spotify shout-out for you. Yeah, and I thought Chuck D was an excellent narrator for that because he kept relating the history of the Clash back to the history of Public Enemy. Which was really interesting. 
really felt uh, like he he was talking to us and not reading off a script necessarily he definitely he, he did make it feel alive so i enjoyed that uh, quite immensely and uh, uh, let's uh, get into it uh, the first movie that we're gonna review here is a book of heroes from 1986 it's directed by uh, chu yanping of fantasy mission force fame and all of that and uh, the very simple uh, plot is provided by todd so uh, let's uh, let, let us uh, go into the vast uh, universe that is the Book of Heroes, thanks to thanks to Todd, Todd's writing here. So, Reflosius. Okay, here we go. A bumbling his and hers pair of rookie cops and a bickering his and hers pair of con artists become embroiled in gangster Yamashita's quest for a hidden fortune in gold. When it is revealed that the con artists have in their position a map to the treasure... Yamashita sends forth wave after wave of killers to dispatch them, among them his latest hire, a deadly kung fu assassin played by Yukari Oshima. Mm -hmm. And some minor background on the director Chu Yanping again. I've shortened our original bio down even further because we've done it in uh, prior episodes. But uh, I always like bringing him up because I do like him. Uh, He's an uneven director, but uh, when he gets it right, he gets it right. Uh, He is the director of Fantasy Mission Force, Requital, Hunting List, Island of Fire. And uh, this is a super brief breakdown of his career. His best decade was probably in the 80s, as he made also um, not... Uh, I mean, he's, he's acclaimed by the cult audience now, but he also made hit comedy, so he was a viable sort of um, uh, director to hire to, to make your... Uh, uh, to craft some box office. Uh, but um, he also crafted uh, strange time warp style uh, movies, uh, blending the Western, Dirty Dozen, Women in Prison in the same movie, and you can watch Golden Queen's Commando for that brew. And Fantasy Mission Force obviously is a is a major major brew that we've talked of uh, <laughs> many times, and it's a movie that uh, divides audiences big time, which is always fascinating. Uh, he also produced the Army Drill movies, uh, not necessarily propaganda movies, but they were Army Drill movies. They weren't necessarily Army conflict or combat movies, uh, where he examined friendships uh, those uh, times uh, in, in the army could generate. Uh, he had no problems working with kids either because they were hit potential, so he made movies such as Kung Fu Kids, Shaolin Pope, but switched comfortably to all-star prison movies such as Island of Fire. I very much like that movie still. I know people quite um, show quite a hatred for that as well. Maybe they expect a different Jackie Chan and Sammo Hung movie. I don't know, but they, they, don't, they don't get on with it necessarily. Uh, he made war movies such as A Home Too Far and End of the Road, really ambitious productions. And while he often ripped off scenes fully from other movies for his own excursions into these genre hybrids uh, or gangster pictures like requital and hunting list i often found myself that that was charming and executed with art and he picked also quite well he picked the scenes that were cool even if those scenes weren't his own at all and he also executed because he he had had to put uh, you know major scripts in scenes and rig and stuntmen needed to do the work so i mean he he wasn't lazy necessarily it was not like he did sit down uh, dialogue scenes that were ripped off from Quentin Tarantino or whatever. Uh, like he 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 put his crew to work, so uh, you got to give him that, I suppose. Even though it sounds like I'm making excuses uh, for uh, rip <laughs> rip off artists, but that's how I feel. Then. 
he also made various swordplay movies that followed in the wake of Once Upon a Time in China, such as The Wacky Flying Dagger, that had a healthy amount of Hong Kong actors acting like loons. So that was enjoyable for me. Uh, he's been continually active in the new millennium uh, w- without looking too much favorable work in the eyes of critics. Uh, he directed Kung Fu Dunk with expressionless Taiwanese superstar Jay Chow at the helm, uh, as well as action advent- the action-adventure film The Treasure Hunter with Jay Chow again. And his last credit to date seems to be a return to the wild, wacky, and possibly annoying Shaolin uh, Pope formula. Uh, in particular, it seems to riff on part two quite a bit. And that movie was uh, Oolong Courtyard, released uh, a year or two ago. So uh, the trailer for two minutes made it seem okay. But you wonder, if, and uh, the wackiness that the trailer presented in Oolong Courtyard, you wonder how that's going to play for 90 minutes. And, uh, uh, you know. It was nice that they got the original uh, actor Mantat back for it. Uh, he 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 co-starred with Stephen Chow in a in many movies, and he also is the is the main lead in Shaolin Pope too. So it was nice they got him back. But uh, I don't know; it uh, could go either way. Uh, I might watch it one day if it becomes available. But uh, that's the latest from Chu Yanping or Kevin Chu. At this uh, at this point, uh, let's uh, get into it. Uh, some brief opinions uh, here. Uh, I, I realized that this movie also, just like so many other Chu Yanping movies, might be uh, divisive just because it's it's intense in various areas. But I, I do find it quite delightful, and I, it's further proof that th- th- this director had competence and comfort and uh, was suited for multiple genres. Um, but when doing broad uh, broad comedy, broad action comedy, it could go either way. Because uh, when it's broad, it could be very annoying. When it's broad, it just might click with you. You never know. Uh, I think it has a fun set of characters chasing the treasure map. Uh, dependable and fun villain turns from uh, Yasuaki Kurata as Yamashita. And some really blistering fight choreography with that uh, intensity that will impress anyone. Even if they don't like... Well, I shouldn't speak for everyone. Uh, I think it would impress, even if you don't like the in-between stuff that is the comedy, because uh, this one is just um, uh, really a, a big old uh, comedic cartoon and uh, and uh, blistering uh, uh, fight stuff. So I do like it for that, uh, regardless. Let me throw over to you, Todd, um, in terms of uh, your short opinion, first of all, of A Book of Heroes. I need to qualify my opinion a little bit, because these two movies we watched for this show superficially there's just a hair of difference between them they're both kung fu comedies they're both made in 1986 they both feature cindy lopper's girls just want to have fun on the soundtrack was it in both even <laughs> it was in both oh, you're right now i remember the boss scene <laughs> and um like, oh yeah, yeah yes okay. yeah um a lot a lot of uh of 80 american 80s pop songs in both these films but um uh, a heroic fight I loved. I was crazy about it. And Book of Heroes, not so much. And I thought that Heroic Fight had a lot of things Book of Heroes didn't have. And I'll agree that the fights in a Book of Heroes are crazy good. Those are excellent, but I feel like the focus of it drifts a lot. Yes, Yukari Oshima is in it, but she is not the star. 
In fact, isn't this like one of her very first movies? Uh, yep, uh, going by release dates, uh, when I talked to someone about it, it seemed like she had been in Millionaire's Express first. Uh, mm. The big cost out of Millionaire's Express, but she certainly made an impact. So I think this was later in the year after she made one or two Hong Kong comedies, well, well Hong Kong movies. But instead of focusing on her, um, they focus the the protagonists are the two uh comedy relief couples um yes. and they're a little annoying they were annoying for me yeah yeah it really starts out um that way as as he uh, establishes uh the the characters of uh, uh what is it uh, pauline lan played uh, uh, well she's referred to as kid and then the actor hu kwa plays hu pai which is i don't know if he was her brother or some kind of mild partner or not yeah the the uh, the the synopsis on hkmdb refers to them as boyfriend and girlfriend and then the other pair uh elsa young and i forget who the guy was that would be actor uh, david tao Okay, they were described as brother and sister at one point, but who who knows? It's, it's a little bit confusing, but but it does start off uh, very schizophrenic uh, because yeah. uh, we got gunplay with uh, with the resulting squibs and uh, and 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 this movie just like Hong Kong movies, man, it's not particularly Taiwan particularly Taiwanese. This movie's logic is that we, we can have a leading into a violent action scene that then leads into uh, goofy stuff because uh, this movie's logic and it's not genius, but uh, the the clumsy cop that has had like a 100% failure rate which I thought was an amusing uh, amusing piece of dialogue this movie's logic is that he uh, pursues uh, the villains on a bicycle and then happens upon a bike race that he wins and they give him the trophy so it's one of those let's drop the logic completely and just give him the award uh, for uh... well I feel like a heroic fight was like that too I mean that was like crazy but I don't know, this one just didn't hang together well for me, and maybe that's, you know, my problem. You know, no, 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 I, I can totally yeah. see that this uh, this movie's particular qualities that I think a lot of, a lot of people stand behind, which is the fight, they, they, they will feel a dip in the comedic sections, but I... Yes. So I, I was on board with the various couples for on an amusing level. It's not laugh out loud funny or anything, but uh, on an amusing level, but... I think it works for me particularly well when the broad stuff just will um, not be interrupted, but you'll always have a out-of-nowhere burst of action to just make you go, wow, what is going on here? Because the pa- Pauline Lan engages in that close-quarter fight in the bathroom in the beginning of the movie. Yes. And uh, stuntmen are thrown into, obviously, breakaway walls and tables, but it's obviously extremely fast and powerful and compelling just how quickly these things start no one can receive a blow in this movie without going through a wall i kind of like that you know there are so many walls being shattered and you know elsa young is good she's kind of playing a goofy character in this she's usually a little more stately I mean, a lot of this has to do with my own prejudices. I didn't find the humor funny most of the time. There were a couple times I laughed. And there was also some really vile racist stuff in it. There was like one of the assassins was black, and at one time they're calling him a black baboon. Yeah, there's some homophobic stuff in this one as well. And oh yeah, there's yeah, there's all that stuff. I just 
I mean, I'm sorry. I just found it tiresome, but other people might like it. So. Well, 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 those parts aren't uh, something to approve of. And uh, it depends sometimes on the movie if I'm going to sort of uh, uh, be tuned out completely. And it also if something like that happens and also if uh, the movie has had a good streak or not is uh, playing into the factor uh, the factors and uh, i i think it, it it's swift enough as a movie be, being quite short and we we're not far away from any action scene and the in-between stuff while broad isn't uh, it never stalled the movie for me which i think is sometimes the case for many comedies that also incorporate action that the comedy does stall yeah. the movie and uh, it's uh, especially if uh, this would have been a kung fu period comedy you would have had performers doing their shtick like they normally do in a kung fu period comedy and that's normally intolerable but uh, i i (laughs) you know dean check if they had caught dean check that would have been the case it would have been intolerable mostly going back a little bit to yukari who was in that initial scene she is incredible you buy that demeanor that she is uh, tough and clearly she has an ability to gel with uh, Hong Kong or Taiwanese action directing and the fluid mix between her and and uh, stunt person is is great because Yukari can't do all of this but you know you, you, you're so used to watching movies and you know how movies are made so uh, did you ever like stop and like ah stuntman or you just f- went with the flow of uh... I wasn't looking for that because that's not what you know I like when it comes to the action scenes in these movies I just like to give myself over to them but that, but that is a good confirmation of uh, that the mix is seamless between uh, uh, between performer yes. and stuntman. You know what I mean? Because it, it they don't hide it through shaky camera work or anything. Uh, an acrobatic move that will take one or two seconds on screen, that's going to be fully viewed. So you need to conceal performer and make the make the mergers or seamless. And I think the movie really does that. You you never question that. Uh, you know, it's not a bulkier performer all of a sudden that that clearly is a man yeah there was nothing that you know grabbed my attention because there yeah sometimes a, a a double can be so obvious that you can't help noticing there was nothing like that at all but i will say that um yeah yukari plays a total badass in this movie she's like the terminator and she keeps that demeanor up through the whole film and that sort of serves to make everybody else around her look more stupid because <laughs> everybody else is like, oh, 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 you know, I paid my pants, you know, like all that kind of crap. These movies can get a bit incoherent in terms of characters. And I, I, I did pre- appreciate that uh, Chu and Ping sets up a, a set of characters, two duos, essentially. And then, you know, you, you can add Yukari and Yasuaki to that uh, duo, but they are the villains after all. So that they're established through action and comedy so so we get uh, their characters character type set up you know elsa jung is uh, part of a con duo and she is action able and uh, she is uh, very confident they're doing so she even uh, stops to put on makeup in the middle of a scene and then starts kicking ass again which uh, is sounds so lame by the way but it is rather they pull it off. You know, it's amusing to, and she is. Uh, she, it's nice to see her being a little bit more playful because uh, you you expect Elsa Young to be a little bit more stoic in movies. You know, going back right. to the challenge of the Lady Ninja and the Life of Ninja, and uh, she, I I can't remember for the life of me seeing extensive playful parts from from Elsa Young. So seeing her, you know, kick off her heels and then shove those into the mouths of two 
to <laughs> henchmen and then Jesus. flip and then flip them onto tables or whatever. That's that's all good. I'm 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 amused. I'm amused. Definitely amused. I feel like what he, the director was doing was um, from the beginning. I don't know if you're familiar with the American movie. It's Mad 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 World. It was like an ensemble comedy, and they had like all the comedians that were popular in the fifties racing across the country to claim some kind of prize. Um, and they were all, you know, there were a lot of couples and stuff. I think Milton Berle was in it and people like that. But it was like wacky like that and kind of wacky and zany and all those things. And that I felt like he was kind of going for that. But not, but not six hours of it. Right. It's a really long movie. <laughs> Probably what kept me away that I realized that that, that movie is so long. But uh, you know, yeah, it's, it's one of those. I they used to show it on uh, American television in two parts. They broke it up, and who knows if if it what it was even complete in that version. You know, I've heard it's like three hours right. or four hours or things like right. that. Right. Uh, uh, one thing that people um, single out and question, uh, not question, they have questions. Uh, if this movie was done on the set of Project A, but I think uh, what has happened here is, is Chu Yingping and the production designers for this movie or other movies have made a replica set of uh, the, so the one of the sets from Pro- Project A, where, where Jackie has a fight down the stairwell and it's more uh, it's more spi- uh, uh, circular than this is. So uh, because it slides down that you know you know like a, an angle, so uh, that stairwell doesn't look the same. So I'm willing to bet this is a replica set, a la Project A, but they didn't make a Project A type of movie. It's not about pirates or anything like that. So it, it, it's one of those things. Well, like, like Chewie and Pink's movies, sometimes elements clash, and yeah. this looks like a set from another movie. But they do some work on uh, on this set uh, quite a bit, uh, even. So I'll, I'll I'll get back to that. Uh, for for my money's worth, even though they're not uh, this massively great comedic duo but i think elsa jung and david tau i think get stronger as a duo as the movie goes along i, I really like the the verbal banter when they agree to marry each other in the face of death and then <laughs> a minute later they're angry at each other because each has stashed money they hustled previously because they they uh, they start to admit stuff oh yeah <laughs> so I, I love you so much remember that time when we did that yeah <laughs> well I, I hid some money in my shoe oh Oh, okay. As I said, considering his comedy track record isn't always great, and any movies with kids uh, won't be inspired uh, <laughs> normally. I did think the kid in this, like the scene where Elsa Jung was in the the casino, and she's like, has uh, got the little kid who's acting as her shill. I thought that was funny, and I thought the kid was good. Yeah, n- normally they don't. They are just thrown in there to be. Uh quite massive in their performance but uh, he, he he gets that scene right i think and and it, it, there's fairly focused comedy here i think the dynamic in each couple is is fun enough especially in the elsa jung and david tau uh, david tau scenes for, for me it didn't feel rehashed and i was uh, happy with that I, I was happy to follow them personally and also that they break it up with action performed by them is and and the type of action we get uh, for and and it also is sometimes cartoony to an effective degree. At one point, Elsa walks into 
a house and you hear off screen punching and then henchmen come throwing come flying <laughs> out yeah. the walls out of the house like boom yeah. and boom and boom you know that rapid speed like a cartoon you know would look like and and that stuntman thought that needs to take a couple of falls for us it's not it might be breakaway stuff but i don't think that's stuff easy i, I think uh, yeah. If it feels hard and intense to us, I think it must have been somewhat hard and intense to do. It was weird for me to have such a negative opinion of this movie because, as you know, I'm a big champion of Fantasy Mission Force. I love Fantasy Mission Force. And Fantasy Mission Force doesn't even have the action scenes that this movie had to kind of justify it. But this And this film had a lot of the same tone. It had a really dumb... Uh, sort of synth synth pop theme song, you know, zuba zuba zuba. Do you remember that thing? Yeah, like, sure yeah, that keeps recurring and keeps recurring, just like that that other uh, song in Fantasy Mission Force. <laughs> that is it. Good job. Even though they they do put forth some, as I said, homophobic jokes and racist jokes, you still gotta give huge credit to performer Eugene Thomas, who's excellent here, and he's been excellent in a couple of Taiwanese movies. Uh, he is the real deal, and he was one of the Western performers that really could uh, merge well with the requ- the requirements uh-huh. of uh, Hong Kong and action uh, action fighting, and uh, those two on one. Uh, that two-on-one scenario between... Was he the black actor? Yes, he was. Oh, okay. Sometimes uh, uh, um, uh, referred to as Eugene Trammell, but uh, this time it's Eugene Tom- Thomas. But uh, I-, I really like the two-on-one uh, aspect of it all. They-, they-, they make some local jokes here about the fact that they they uh, they discuss tactics as they try to take take him on yes. and they realize that he understands mandarin so they start discussing tactic in hakka dialect and they realize he don't understand that we've got something and then they can perform some tactic on him in terms of uh, taking him down and I, I thought that was amusing that, that in the dub that would probably be uh, totally different but uh, uh, but but there's in, some impressive stunt work from both Eugene Thomas and Pauline Lan as they jump through breakaway glass. I thought that looked fantastic. What was the name of the woman who played the female cop? They only referred to her as Kid, I believe. I don't think I spotted a Chinese name. So uh, uh, I thought she was pretty good at the fight scenes. There's a fight scene between her and I think Yukari Oshima. Yes. It's really good. I mean, she really holds her own. Pauline Lan is the actress. Um, oh, okay. Not a massive filmography, but she really looks impressive. And uh, Yes. Throwing yourself through breakaway glass and, and uh, making it look hard, like you got thrown through glass or your head thrown yes. through glass. I thought that uh, was really impressive. And uh, she and uh, Eugene Thomas performed some stunts that are outside of the actual fist-to-fist and kick-to-kick uh, fighting scenarios. Uh, but also Yukari Oshima and Yasuaki Kurata, they, uh, their fight towards the end, spoilers, they fight, uh, despite her being on his side uh, in the beginning. The, the, there's that bit where they both get kicked, they fall over, but they flip over immediately yes. just to show that I'm still strong and that I didn't feel that. Yeah, no, no, they flipped to crouched position again, which I thought was a fun uh, touch. And uh, 
you know, speaking of someone who's always reliable, uh, Yasuaki Kurata, whether just appearing as a villain or actually do uh, actually doing some fight stuff, um, um, you know, you can spot him in tons of Hong Kong movies and Taiwanese movies from the seventies, and uh, still is acting and uh, has honed his acting skills. Uh, um, quite a bit. He's uh, quite a reliable veteran actor now, uh, e- e- even in Chinese or Hong Kong movies. Uh, Yasuaki Kurata. Uh, really, that's the end of my notes. I, I do find it uh, quite amusing and entertaining, and the action is just uh, really something that, um, you know, I, I hope your viewers would like to give it a try. The, the comedy in between might be testing your patience, but realize that the fights will be like just uh they will come out of nowhere in a very impressive manner and uh i agree this is not uh the, the sort of above average taiwanese crew doing the action they are elite and this is really this movie's calling card if anything so i hope you give it a try but even if you don't like it it's okay it's okay it's okay that's okay yeah uh, so let's uh, do some brief availability. Uh, it was issued on Laserdisc in Hong Kong and also VCD as part of the Joy Sales Legendary Collection a few years ago. Uh, that is out of print and uh, even though it's VCD, the prices second hand are a bit uh, out of hand. I saw like 30, 40, 50 US dollars for a VCD, which I think is rather outrageous. Uh, even for a DVD, it would pr- probably be a bit outrageous, to be honest. But uh, because not, it's not like people are... That, that they would get like 100 bids on something like that it's still a specialized title so why do you, why sit on it on an with an inflated price just to uh, and hope you in the end and if it's on vcd you can only get two or three good viewings out of it anyway so why pay that much money that's why they cost 50 cents usually uh, the Joy Sales VCDs were often good quality. We watched the Laserdisc rip, though. So uh, if you ever find out that, that that's a good good version of the film, letterboxed and subtitled, and in Mandarin, if you, you you want it to be a true Taiwanese experience, then it is in Mandarin. And uh, so that was that. Book of Heroes put to bed. Uh, we 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 tend to stumble on Chu and Ping's movies uh, fairly often, but uh, I think there's um, a reason for that because uh, he was part of that Taiwanese cinema run in the eighties and partially nineties that is uh, notable and it's worth looking at at the very right. least. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily, you know, if I were to pick like let's do the Shaolin Popi movies. Fuck one, fuck the first movie right up its asshole. But watch this. But the second one is fun. It's completely unrelated. Uh, Michelle Yeoh is briefly in it. It, uh, it it flirts with fantasy elements, I believe, even though it wasn't really a fantasy movie. But out of Shaolin Popey, one or two go go for two. Uh, I own the I own both of them on Laserdisc for some reason. Uh, I don't know. I have a, one last question about the Book of Heroes. The title. There was no book of heroes in this. I mean, what do you think that refers to? Nothing? There's no heroes in it either. Well, do you remember any popular movie from elsewhere in the West that had something to do with a book? And uh, maybe they were riffing on an English title uh, from elsewhere? I don't remember any blockbuster of the time that might have been like, whoa, let's bring it to Taiwan and um, name it something right. similar. Well, there was that Denzel Washington movie, The Book of Eli, but that was much, much 2010, later. 2010. So. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't work. I don't know, man. It's uh, one of those, maybe it's crudely translated from the Chinese title of the film, who knows. Uh, but, um, it, you know, it is what it is. Um, at least it's grammatically correct when it's presented. A Book of Heroes sounds correct at any rate. Yes, right. <laughs> 
so let's take a musical break and after that we'll be back to review uh, the more favorable a heroic fight from 1986 and uh, uh, same year and uh, goofy Taiwanese stuff and uh, well it we 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 are both sort of stated that it's uh, it's likable and uh, we'll state why after the break And welcome back in the second uh, movie of this episode is A Heroic Fight, also from 1986. And the plot goes as follows, as written by Todd. So take it away, Todd. Thai crime boss Mr. Da arrives in Taipei for a meeting with Mr. Barner, played by Chin T, leader of the Golden Triangle Gang. Barner wants Da's assistant assistance in smuggling drugs into Thailand, but Da, having reformed, gives him a hard no. Enraged, Barner swears to avenge himself on Da by kidnapping his little daughter, Ting Ting. Fortunately for Ting Ting, kind-hearted young movie stuntman Lin Xu Long, played by Lam Xu La, is nearby when the kidnapping attempt is made and rescues her making both him and his family targets of the wrathful Barner. When Barner finally succeeds in capturing both Da and Ting Ting, Lin and his stuntman brothers must pull, pull well, I'm sorry, must put all of their skills, as well as those of their special effects director father, to the test in rescuing them. And our Hong Kong connection in this one is that uh, the father is played by Yun Chung Yan, who is uh, the brother of uh, Yun Wo Ping, director and actor. Oh. You, since you're a fan of uh, these wacky movies, you must have seen the Miracle Fighters at one point. I'm pretty sure I have, yes. Yun Chung Yan plays the granny in that one. They, uh, that movie had a couple of quarreling sorcerers, and Yun Chung Yan played the granny yes he played a woman in that one in this one he has uh, silly, t- silly teeth but yeah they brought in some hong some hong kong talent uh, onto this uh, onto this one uh, as for uh, my short opinion of heroic fight uh, it's not the first time i've watched this uh, there's a reason for that i think it's fun 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 and uh, creative and uh, you sh- generally should not bring your movie into the category of throwing everything against the wall and hoping it sticks but if you're good <laughs> at that and yeah. if you're good at pleasing you've earned that sort of canvas to just throw everything on there yeah uh director chu chung hing uh, knows all of this well and he's skilled at conveying it in combination with this threadbare plotting you know so so who, who can argue against fun and physical creativity uh in this one you can't because it's really really fun it's very creative too i mean there's just a lot of visually crazy stuff that goes on in this movie i mean i took this out of my my synopsis but I think very illustrative of what goes on in this movie. The scene where Ting Ting is kidnapped happens in a public park, and Ting Ting is this six-year-old. When we meet her, she's lip, uh, she's karaokeing to Madonna's Material Girl, wearing a very age-inappropriate crop top. And then one of uh, Barner's uh, henchmen, who's posing as a balloon bender, vendor and who is wearing a 
bootleg Mickey Mouse costume. <laughs> those eyes were so creepy, man. Those black eyes of Mickey. Yes, yes. Yeah, I remember I saw some Thai movie where a woman was wearing a shirt that said Mickey Mouse on it. It was M-I-G-K-E-Y. I can't remember how Mouse was. So this was like this was like Mickey Mouse personified. So he hands her a big huge bouquet of balloon of helium balloons. They did hoist her quite a bit up in the air, that little girl. Yeah, yes, they did. Yeah, I took some screen caps where she's at least thirty feet over any ground. It, it's a it, it's a sign of the movie um, going places indeed, but it's really, you know, if I go back to the beginning a little bit, uh, uh, the, uh, the director uh, Chu Chung Hing, um, he had a busy stretch of directing at this point, also writing and action directing. He was the director of Hello Dracula, he did action directing for The Child of Peach, he directed Magic of Spell, so really it, it's a stretch there in the 80s that he was involved in. You know, it's it seems like uh, that, that it's aping Chu Yinping's multi-mood time warp sensibility if you look at the opening boardroom scene because it seems like characters are there, you know, gods and henchmen looking like they should be in the water margin or like in a sword <laughs> play movie. One has a hook for a hand and some look like they stepped out of... Uh, a war conflict uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, pe- people are like having have their chest exposed like it's a Chang Chia movie so uh, they, they they bring in the protectors of the highest order from uh, from all tight kinds of time periods so, you know i i find it fun because i'm easily pleased but is that like totally dangerous for a movie to throw that stuff in there because it seems very casual and very logical and movies don't operate that way or, or, or do you accept that thing when you see those visuals of these these henchmen is that like your comfort place in movies like this is gonna work out <laughs> well mainly because this is a lambsu law movie and as you know i love lambsu law i like all of her movies and they all have that kind of sensibility and also this is a director who'd worked with her Many times. So obviously, this film was weird, but I thought it was more grounded than Book of Heroes because of the showbiz setting. You know, you know, granted, this madness gets tempered a little bit. It's in this yes. boardroom scene where, oh my God, people from all kind of ages are gonna are gonna come together here. Well, no, they they keep it gangster comedy. By the way, uh, I hated the fact that the Mister Durr kept squeezing the cheeks of the pug like he did he didn't have a cat cat to stroke he had a pug and i hated the fact that he was uh cheeking uh, squeezing the cheeks and shaking them i was like no 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 no, 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 no." yeah what yeah and he put his finger in the cheek and was like yeah i could i didn't get what that was supposed to be about that was completely off the wall and he stops the negotiation for the doggy snappy change the diaper the dog and power and diaper the dog <laughs> and see that to me was kind of inspired because that came out of nowhere you know he just nonchalantly starts putting baby powder on the dog's butt and diapering him and the people are sort of a little taken aback they're like what's going on well he's old he's a veteran he's the gangster boss we'll let him do whatever <laughs> he likes i suppose yeah so. yeah what did you think of uh, the fact that we? Uh, it looks like we're in Kung Fu Wonder Child or Child of Peach. Uh, you know, uh, did that uh, put you in a good mood when you see her 
her interest in uh, Lin Xiaolu as either Kung Fu Wonder Child or... I thought that was really brilliant. Yeah, the, when they introduced La, uh, Lam Siu Law's character, and also the characters he plays named Lin Siu Long. So I think that character is supposed to be sort of fictionalized version of her, wouldn't you say? Yeah, it uh, connects connects to what she was doing around this time. I mean, gr- granted, Child of Peach was the year after, and I don't know how much of an impact Kung Fu Wonder Child had on the market at when they were making a heroic right. fight, or if they were thinking of making a movie with her. But clearly, uh, you know, it's a legit sequence yeah. that could have been out of uh, these movies because she, uh, she her swordsmanship is quality across the board, and the people they throw at her. You know, it's quality action choreography, and then we realize it's a movie set. There's a throwaway line about her always playing boys, but there's no indication that that character is supposed to be a girl. Again, she's playing a male character, I think. It was the only thing I was unsure of if they were doing that, but it looks like she uh, she was. They, they weren't making yeah. a big uh, fuss about it. Um, uh, I've never found Bhakti funny necessarily in movies, but uh, thankfully the movie has other tricks up its sleeves. So Yun Chung Yan appearing as the so special effects, uh, special effects uh, uh, prop master, I suppose, uh, with the Bhakti, it, it's okay because it gets to demonstrate actual movie technique and how you how you set your hand on fire. So he, he you right. know he gets to do that actually <laughs> yeah. in the movie by dipping his hand into the gel. And, 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 you know, he's from a movie-making family. Uh, Mo Ping and his brothers uh, have made making movies for quite a bit. Not just Kung Fu, but the Miracle Fighters of the Shaolin Drunk God and the Taoism Drunk God. They were shock full of uh, also effects work. Yes. So it's kind of cool that he uh, th- this is the part he gets uh, with the experience he has. Did they make the Drunkard movies? Yes, did it. Oh, those are excellent. He, he's in those. Uh, he's uh, one of the characters in uh, Taoism Drunkard, I believe, that <laughs> arrives in the beginning in a in a little mouse car. That's, oh, God, you know, that's, yes. You, that's Yun Chun Yang. So great. So great. One of the things I really loved about this movie is that it seemed like it was sort of an homage to the stunt people of, you know, Taiwanese cinema. There was something celebratory about it. Um, and also that it was a family of stunt people. I love that about it. It just this film had a much better spirit, I thought, than the other movie. Yeah, I mean, it gets serious, but it see it doesn't stray massively mood wise into you know light stuff that that is then massively violent or anything. It, yeah, it, it seems a little bit even tempered as a movie, which is always nice. I mean, you think like, oh my god, they've gone off the rails when when there's a big a better tomorrow style assassination sequence but you realize that is also part of a movie so uh, you know they, uh, they 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 sort of play with us i was i was not paying attention and i was like oh my god they're shooting and no one is really that uh, sad about it and right. it's and they literally walked onto a movie set when they uh, which could have been done by john woo so obviously i think um, 1986 uh, which is such a splendid year for hong kong gunplay i think that that ripple those ripples could be felt in taiwan also so um. in my review i said that this movie is as 1980s as morgan fairchild doing aerobics on top of the delorean 
And speaking of DeLorean, I mean, obviously, uh, I, don't, I don't know, obviously, to me, it's obvious that uh, the wake-up sequence with the family is uh, straight out of Back to the Future, all those contraptions that they've lined up for for breakfast is akin to how uh, all Doc Brown's contraptions uh, right. uh, are like in the beginning of Back to the Future, although he's not there at that point. So, uh, obviously, you got... Yeah, there are a lot of little um, quotes <clears throat> from other movies. But you need to make that happen uh, too. So you need to design that stuff. You need to execute that stuff. And I always come back to the sure. fact that Taiwanese cinema might rip off a lot of things, but they actually need to do them too. Uh, I mean, that sequence in Golden Queen's Command, or that's out of My Name is Nobody, with where Peter Fonda shoots all the, the, the wild bunch of horses. They uh-huh. do that in Golden Queen's Commando, but it's a complex stunt sequence, man. Right. And uh, so they need to execute that themselves, and they do it rather well, actually. So it's not like they do it with one horse, but they actually have as many horses as uh, as in My Name is Nobody, I suppose. So Yes. And what else? Uh, well, I, also that, that sequence, by the way, uh, when they uh, when they wake up, which which is so, sort of a wake up war, I suppose, because in order to wake everybody up, uh, Yun Chung Yan electrocutes his uh, family, and uh, one of them has silly glasses on that catches fire. I, lo- I love that detail. <laughs> those yeah. silly glasses with wind wipers, it looked like. Yeah. And those those catch fire as uh, the electricity uh, runs through uh, all the beds and all of that. And I thought that was a lovely detail. It also reminded me of a uh, Mickey Mouse Donald uh, Duck Goofy cartoon when they are in this high tech camper that uh, transforms uh, rooms uh, from <laughs> kitchen to bathrooms and things like that. So, uh, and I mean those influences are timely. I suppose the eighties influences, uh, and they're they're gonna date the movie, but. There is something to be said for the fact that it's still... I don't know if it's just us, but uh, I, I think it's still charming because it's done with... It's good nature, I suppose. They're not trying to desperately rip off stuff, but they 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 want to reference stuff, I suppose, even though they're not paying for likenesses or paying for music or anything like that. They're, you know, it's still it's still heartfelt. It's done, I it's guess. done with affection. And I think it's also done... You know, there's a real love of movies in that. Of course, they you know they love movies because you know they make movies. You're right, and 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 also because it's a comedy, any idea will will you know will do and will fly. Um, they they've argued that the canvas is quite large and expensive, so they can throw anything on the screen, but they also need to be prepared to do it. Uh, the BMX riding. Yes, <laughs> uh, complex in itself. It's it's dated, but it's complex stuff. Well, yeah, um, that really dates. I mean, have you ever seen the movie BMX Bandits? It's pretty good. I have. I've, I've interviewed the director, and um, I've asked uh, I've asked questions that uh, about that because I really love the look of that film. Actually, yeah, it's a good looking movie. That God, what's the director's name? Uh, Brian Trenchard Smith. I don't think I've ever seen Brian Trenchard Smith that I didn't thoroughly enjoy. I, I wanted to ask you another thing. Um, do did did you think that this movie was riffing at all on the uh, the movie FX? If you know the movie FX, I've heard people say that this was a Hong Kong remake of FX. I didn't see. I mean, I saw that movie when it came out. I don't know. I didn't. I wasn't over, overwhelmed by the similarity. I see. Why the comparison could be made. Effects was sort of a revenge movie, wasn't it? I, I agree because it has, um, it merely borrows a, a few elements like uh, Mr. Do 
uh, staging his own death. But FX was more about Brian Brown was pulled into this. He was supposed to execute an assassination that was going to be fake, but it actually was real. Right. So he needs to, uh, you know, uh, team up with Brian Dennehy and things like that. So this wasn't uh, borrowing things wholesale, but it added another element that they throw onto that canvas. And I mean, was it ever too too much overwhelming or did you think all or many ideas just landed pretty perfectly whether riffing off stuff whether dropping whether dropping music whether dropping the action sequences was it one of those like that works that works continues to work or did did, did you have did did you find lulls in the movie somewhere no i was entertained from the from the beginning to end i mean of course i was pretty drunk while i watched this movie too but no, I thought it all, all, I mean, it was definitely a crazy quilt of a movie, but it flowed pretty well. Well, I, I never found this, um, it's probably one of the more, it, it, it works pretty well. It doesn't have any particular dips where it just loses its focus. Uh, right. You, you just have to buy into the fact that it, it's going to try a lot and it seems removed from reality and it, it's that very narrow sort of balance that you need to need to accomplish uh, because it yeah. does seem overpacked but it really uh felt um focused is such a dangerous word to use but there uh, was uh, it it transfers <laughs> from like you know a partial diarrhea joke where someone needs to go to the toilet because they have diarrhea and then that switches to an, an incredibly dangerous looking detonation sequence in the toilet <laughs> right Oh, did you notice that shot where where they set it off and the camera just gets engulfed in flames and goes bright and you don't know what happened it, things didn't look good for the guy in the, the toilets it it literally felt like i think we could have had a snuff movie on our hands here because uh-huh. who knew what happened behind those flames they might have had actors burnt to crisps after that toilet the door just flew out and right. they, they set off such a big explosion man yeah no i mean the stunts in this i mean the the bike chase thing there's some crazy wire like wire work with the bike you know the bike doing loop to loops and stuff like that way up in the air yeah the stunt work is excellent in this one thing i really like about this movie i feel like it takes the character that Lam Siu Law usually plays in like the Peach Kid movies and puts him in a contemporary urban setting, but he's still the same sort of you know you know essentially good, you know kind do gooder that he is in those other movies. Yeah, it was nice, wasn't it, that uh, yeah. she could uh, transfer? I mean, it, it's it's out of order, but, but you know, the Charlie Peach was the year before, but it's still nice for us to look at this. And see that she could transfer from from a pure fantasy setting to a uh, to a modern setting and not be boring. Yes. Oh no. Yeah. Not at all. We 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 must say a lot about her as performer, right? That she uh, she she could carry sequences without having energy bolts around her and uh, running around with a sword all the time. A cartoon dragon chasing her. You know. Just... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I can't watch a Lam Siu Lao movie without the cotton dragon. It's not terrible. It's, no, it's simply not real. It's, well, it's not real. She's a very charming and personable performer. Maybe she's not an amazing actress. But um, I haven't seen any of the later stuff she did when she was allowed to play women. You know, I, I think I 
we'll do that someday. But I remember the movie Kung Fu Student, which is also a, a modern uh, a modern movie. But she she uh, she uh, is uh, not chased by a ghost, but uh, this uh, the ghost of a triad wants her help, and so there's some magic stuff happening and all of that. But I don't remember if she. Uh, uh, if she played a female or not in that, but it was an enjoyable, uh, enjoyable t- Taiwanese movie with the the right sort of um, sort of energy. Speaking, I suppose, of energy. I mean, uh, uh, Dick Wei is in this movie, uh, eternal uh, villain in Hong Kong, and sometimes Taiwanese movies. Uh, Dick Wei, he's in Project A. If you ever get a chance to watch that, he plays the pirate leader in Project A. Quite a uh, revered role clearly dick way was also you know he was up for typecasting but also up for being part of something playful because this clearly is playful and part of a crew that really you know i often say Todd, that taiwanese cinema and cinema in general if you go from idea to execution in a fun energetic way you you've got something and and this movie has that in spades really and it's not effects work put in afterwards it's it's in camera stuff this i mean ranging from uh, i'm sure you like the sequence where lam siu lao uses uh, her roller skates to slide down actual train rails and that's lam siu lao in a sort of she's uh, not in a full split or anything but that's her going down those and i mean you can't uh, you 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 can't be bored by such creativity because that looks uh, mildly dangerous Uh, you know they, they they have a speed to that sequence that makes it seem like she was uh, i mean holy hell was she pulled possibly i mean she she, she must have been pulled by a, a wire rig or something so uh, well I'll, I'll i'll tell you a little side gag i liked uh, it's all about uh, the execution and the energy within the sequence like when uh, the uh, dick way and his henchmen they come down on the family's little lair he pulls a gun and they activate the magnet and phoom, the, the gun goes up <laughs> And and those are beats that uh, you, you can't really predict, and it needs to be done with a certain, you know, if you look at, you know, a process of editing, that, that scene needs to be like, chung, 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 and it can't be clunky, uh, because then uh, you won't find it technically impressive, and that, that stuff is uh, technically impressive, and it, there is a lot, but, but and thankfully there that's the actual tally it's not just one or two sequences but there's a lot to stand out and even i think that there's a case for this being a bit exhaustive because the the last third is just a continual action chasing idea machine that then transfers into taking down dick way using movie props and uh and and actual wind machines and create uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. create foley as deception because these family are special effects wizards and uh, it's wild but um, you know I'm sure you've seen movies where where you just uh, where you become numb to it and you can't uh, make up your mind if it was any good or not but it seems like this got to you yeah it did I knew it was gonna have a big battle royal finish I mean I feel that way about marvel movies every single one like the last 40 minutes is just everybody shooting energy rays at each other and flying through the air and it's kind of the point it's like i don't care about this you know it's like can't we just say have a title that says then there was a big fight 
40 minutes later and, <laughs> and skip to i don't think people would like that but i'm no i don't think uh, you can't do a monty python gag like that <laughs> uh... phew that was uh, right that was something <laughs> you made me think of the Mon- the sam peckinpah sketch that they did the, the scene I'm thinking of is the whole uh, the, the, there's an episode where Michael Palin is on a bicycle tour and he gets uh, thrown into jail by Nazis and almost executed <laughs> and the, in the final scene where something is going to happen it's a scene missing and then cut to some some crossroads in the English countryside Phew, that, for, that wasn't an adventure we, we had right. you alive. <laughs> bye bye but, but the, are you the kind of viewer that um you, you you're a bit older than me, so I mean you've been through uh, this uh, this uh, sort of uh, transition from doing effects and doing uh, things in camera versus now it's all a green screen artificial sometimes mess. Movies like Heroic Fight, uh, this nice reminder of how movies were made and that it actually is valid valid filmmaking that they they do it all in front of us. Yeah, no, I I appreciate I appreciate practical effects a lot. I'm not like diametrically a guy, but but I'm opposed to a lot of it, and I get sick of it because I think the the conceit is that you can't tell that there's CGI. You know that was the original idea that it was going to be seamless, but now everybody goes the C- the CGI was great. So well, obviously you can see it, you can tell it's CGI. No, I love I love uh, practical effects, and when I see a you know, contemporary film where they use practical effects. Like I love the film Moon because they they use a lot of he used a lot of um, that was David Bowie's kid who did that movie and he used a lot of um, model effects and stuff. And parts of it looked like it was like out of space, nineteen ninety nine. But I found I find that really captivating. I don't think special effects need to look completely real. To use to engage their man, imaginations and to bring them into the film. Well, well, if you look at her movies, then the Charlo Peach movies that that you know are quite special effects heavy. Yeah, be, be, because of that setting, which is artificial in itself, uh, and and then the energy balls might not be that terrifically pasted in. For for me, that that uh, I, I become immersed in the world because I have no reference for how it's supposed to look, and uh, it uh, it all is. All that's added seems to be the last ten percent. That's the effect. The rest is all the wire hoisting up and down and all yes. that. So I, I I buy it in a millisecond, and I still and I still do. You know, I, I'm not taken out of it. So is that the case for you still? When you look back on like Charlie Peach and movies like this, that uh, it it's there. It's essentially there. You know, I love really artificial looking stuff. I love Technicolor. I love. Uh, movies that are just I love indoor sets I mean that's why I love the Shaw Brothers movies I like that I like artifice I don't need to be tricked you know because I'm there I'm if you're making the attempt I'll meet you halfway if you're trying to you know entertain me I'll meet you halfway even though this movie doesn't uh, focus on uh, on such special effects but it's from these people yes that uh, 
and now they i don't know maybe this was much more of a challenge a heroic fight because uh Possibly, our yeah. director and crew realized that well we're in the real world despite so much crazy stuff happening so we have to make sure to do this convincingly enough you know she needs to slide down on her roller skates or uh, on on those train railings and it needs to look sort of uh, speedy when we use the sort of movie props to fight off dick way even though we see lamsulo behind the the big the big thing with the boxing gloves that right. fights off dick, dick way yeah yeah that, that. that needs to be fun that, that, yeah. that needs to be uh we now we admit that this is pure artificial stuff but with uh it's that kind of cartoon where dick way is not going to be able to run around and kick her in the back Nope, we're gonna keep him at bay using the big, big uh, sort of puppet with the uh, with the extended hands. I love that. that. So. I'm glad you brought that up. I love that thing. I, I think my final note. I want to give a shout out to Yun Chun Yan, who's sort of a slightly older performer. At one point, he does a mighty cool thing where he jumps between three bouncing mats and hits every bouncing mat in one shot. You know, boom, 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 and and they're not in a row either. I think two. He jumps on one, two, then takes a hard lift and hits the other bouncing mat because they have bouncing mats there and their lair and all of that. It's all it, it's all fought behind the scenes, uh, which is sort of cool. And they, uh, it, it's a movie that turns turns movies inside out in a way, I suppose. Uh, uh, so, so I, I, as schizophrenic as it seemed in the beginning with uh, heroes from all ages, it uh, I, I guess it found finds its. Um, purpose a little bit more the longer it runs uh, the more the family of special effects wizards get put in the forefront and uh but demanding it is not no it is not it is not really challenging w- 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 would you uh throw this uh to you know onto an, an unsuspecting uh audience uh, of uh or circle of friends if you were to show them a taiwanese movie would this be like uh they, they could probably take this or would this, this be too much you think you know i i found i'm not a good judge of that you know <laughs> <laughs> i think my tastes are too particular for me to say oh I, anybody who sees this would love this i tried to show holy flame of the martial world i did show Holy Flame of the Martial World to a friend of mine who's into cult movies and horror movies and stuff, thinking he would just love it. And he was kind of non nonplussed by it. So Was it more like, oh, it's an it's an alright popcorn flick, or was it just like, what is this? He just didn't love it as much as I do, you know, because I'm like, <laughs> isn't this great? You know, um, and he was like, yeah, it was okay. It's all right. I'm like, what? No. I'm cool. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Yes. <laughs> I need you to watch five more of these. So let, let's go with Zoo, Boston Swordsman, Boston Swordsman 2. Right, exactly. And Attack of the Joyful Goddess and Charlie Peach. And then you'll love them. Yes. Stay there. <laughs> I'm all, yeah, I mean, I've liked, I think I like these films. I don't know what, I can't even remember what the first really, it was probably Kung Fu Wonder Child was the first really crazy. No, no, it was, uh, Thrilling Sword was the first super crazy Taiwanese movie I saw. But that, I mean, that's just, it's just my sensibility. It really appealed to me, but not every, you know, so. 
You know, really, the point of this is also to to actually emphasize what, what people might not know is that Taiwanese cinema holds more than you might know, and also holds more skill than you might know. Yes, these movies have not stayed at the forefront of Taiwanese cinema mainly because Taiwanese cinema has excelled in uh, in drama and comedy and art. Whether looking at Ang Lee's movies or Hao Shaoshen's artful movies, Tsai uh, Ming uh, Mingling or Mingliang, um, and these movies have fallen to the wayside mainly because they're not very available as such and yeah. uh, you know uh, when you, I, I, I don't mind Ang Lee's movies here, uh, uh, as such but the other ones I have a harder time getting into personally but they keep being, being remastered and things like that and these movies fall to the wayside unfortunately but um, you know it's uh, it's changing ever so slightly with uh, some catalog titles out of uh, out of Taiwan if you go to US iTunes you can find uh, some of these uh, epic um, like 70s uh, war dramas with Bridget Lynn and all the stars of the day. I mean, they're they're propaganda films, yeah, but uh, because they they depict it from the Taiwanese perspective, but they're really well-mounted productions. So, there is hope still, but uh, the Child of Peach in 4K or Heroic Fight in 4K, don't don't, uh, wait out. Uh, It's probably not gonna happen. The Criterion Box, the Child of Peach collection, you know. I'd, I'd buy it magic of like that magic of spell kung fu wonder child in one boom settled i wouldn't hold my breath but that would be so awesome uh, what, what we had was actually a good looking dvd version uh from uh, when the, this was once available uh, that particular dvd from the mainland dvd label wa or wah and that <laughs> looked uh, it looked really good as per usual they were really solid transfers but uh their 5.1 Dolby Digital Surround Mixers, which actually was stripped from the version you watched, uh, it always had a distinct echo for some reason. But a friend of mine redid that DVD because uh, he found out that the center channel of your big surround channel setup, when you played their DVDs, the center channel had the unaltered mono. So he put that into his computer and stripped uh-huh. all the channels and le- all that was left was the unaltered mono without an echo. So uh, you got that. It was also reissued on VCD and DVD by Joy Sales as part of their legendary collection range, but uh, those don't stay in print forever, and it is listed as out of stock on Yes Asia. Uh, there are a couple of pricey options on the Amazon marketplace, uh, around thirty US dollars. But for the DVD, because I do recommend the film, and Todd recommends if, recommends the film, thirty US dollars. It's okay. For a DVD, at the very least. Uh, thank God it's not the VCD, you know. Yeah, I mean, I've paid more for less, that's for sure. So, I'm one Being to talk. Being a LaserDisc uh, collector, um, I've, uh, I've uh, collected my fair share of uh, 100 US dollars uh, per disc uh, sort of things. But, uh, hey, I, uh, I, I buy it and I watch it. I don't keep it in the wraps even. So, that's, uh, that's how I roll. At any rate, uh, Heroic Fight uh, Done and Dusted will uh, hit the think tank as per usual. Uh, I have one, I uh, it, I haven't paired it up with anything, but I, I thought it would be fun as a sort of historical piece to do the movie Fearless Fighters, which is a Taiwanese wuxia film. It, it's solid in its own right, but it's more fun to watch via the US DVD because what what they did with the US DVD they they um, they put out the US print of the movie because this movie was very successful uh, on on the US market it was a big grindhouse hit and what they got was actually which would would feed our discussion i suppose they got the uh, original company men 
that uh, brought the movie over to you to the US for uh, to do uh, and they, they did the audio commentary for fearless fighters and how they sort of re they talk of how they recut the movie and how they changed uh, oh. and came up with the campaign for the movie and it's actually a very fascinating talk that sounds fascinating yeah and the movie and the movie is actually um uh, a quite uh, fun and creative Taiwanese wuxia from the early seventies. Primitive, mind you. It's it's not Holy Flame of the Martial World, but what is the, the original title is? Uh, it's a real. Uh, it's called a real man. The original Taiwanese wuxia, which is an odd title for a wuxia piece, a real man. Yeah, I think I have like a Wu Tang DVD of that. You know, some definite like kind of bargain been dvd of that but i yeah i love that movie it's super entertaining well hit the think tank and in the meantime uh, for all your podcast on fire network needs go to podcastonfire.com find all the relevant links uh, uh, if i find any trailers or whatnot i'll put it in the show post uh, but uh, mainly we'll uh, spread as much love for todd's creative endeavors in the show yeah. post uh, links so it. the floor the floor is yours uh, do you want to repeat any plugs from from earlier whether book related or or not no, I'll just say, um, as I usually do, just check Die Kill. That's Die Danger, Die Die Kill, one word dot blog, 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 blah, 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 dot dot com and head over to that handy sidebar on the right, and it'll show you my links to my books, links to my other podcast, uh, Friday's Best Pop Song Ever, links to my, you know, all my various doings. Um, and also, you might see I I reviewed um, a heroic fight this week, and also a Indian film that was pretty good. That's the eclectic mix that uh, 40k is all about. So Indeed. from Taiwan to India, yes, very cool. Well, uh, we are going to sign off. So I've been going to be and with me uh, discussing a book of heroes and heroic fight was the multimedia man Todd Statman. So say goodbye. See you later, everybody. See you next time. <laughs> Show me.